The reading this morning is from Matthew. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Last week, we heard the wonderful story of the Transfiguration. That place on a mountaintop where Jesus is shining. Moses, the great prophets, and all the disciples are there. And it's so magical that Peter says, let's just build some tents and stay here. That's what mountaintop moments are. Those moments in life that are so beautiful and beyond description and where the moment is so transcendent and clear that they take your breath away. You don't want to move because you don't want a thing to change. But the world is one of constant creation and creation involves order, disorder, and reorder. It involves peaks, but it also involves valleys. In one week, so much has changed. This past week, it's been hard to look away from the news coverage in the Ukraine. The news cycle exalts the horrific and delights in provoking fear, and boy, has it delivered. As a community, we're not only extending our hearts and prayers to Ukraine, 
but we're going to do in some way our small part to help with relief, as Betsy just talked about. Thank you, Betsy. But in one week, our entire liturgical season has changed, too. We are now in Lent, a 40-day penitential period before Easter Sunday. Its readings are not about mountaintops. Lent is about dwelling in the valleys of our lives and being acutely aware of our mortality. The passage we read this morning from Matthew is such a rich passage. It always starts the Lenten season. But before anyone here starts breathing a sigh of relief, saying, phew, false piety, proclaiming religiousness in public or standing on street corners, that doesn't apply to me. And it doesn't for most people here. (laughs) But it does. Not because anyone in this place does any of that. It applies because we all need reminders to search inside ourselves, to see where our priorities are, and see how we are relating to an eternal God from our very mortal earthly existence. To make it a little easier, let me just flip the script. When we aren't focused on the matters of the internal, the matters that matter in our soul, something else becomes God. It might be our worries or somebody's opinion, or our bank account, or our resume. Maybe that privacy and praying in secret that Jesus invites us to is not a place of secrecy, but a place of authenticity, where we can just drop our pursuit of perfection and embrace who we are inside and what matters to us. Our physical bodies, our earthly actions, our material treasures are all finite. But those treasures of heaven, our legacy of love, our relationship to God, and our relationship to those we love, those things are eternal. When those things are on our heart, we are eternal. When those things are on our heart, we can find a peace that passes all understanding. When those things are on our heart, we can have a toehold in hope. And when those things are on our heart, we can access joy. That sounds so lofty and mystical. It is. Because these things aren't things we can touch or point to or quantify. Lent is that spiritual alarm clock and reality check that lets us touch base with these things. Some Christian traditions start the Lenten alarm clock so loudly with ashes on Ash Wednesday. The ashes are dirty and gritty and they're a tangible reminder going into this season that our physical bodies are no different than those dusty ashes. The dust from which we are created into life is also the dust of grief and finitude. It's the dust that can fade away. 
It's sobering to confront our mortality. It's sobering especially when we live in a culture that tells us if we just follow a certain diet, if we just maintain the right relationships, if we just entertain ourselves in the right ways, if we just track our steps, that we can master life and perhaps even push off death. Yet it is in the dust of Lent and the solemnity of Lent and in the dust of our lives that God meets us. Lent is that time or call to relearn and reimagine our connection to God, to prayer, to the earth, and to ourselves. And when we remember that we are finite, our priorities realign, and we focus on being present and paying attention to what really matters inside, in our soul. Two weeks ago, New York Times writer Ezra Klein said, Life is the sum total of what we pay attention to. Who is in control of that attention and how we can rest it back is a central question of our age. Well, I don't think Ezra Klein was contemplating the upcoming Christian Lenten season. His comment is indeed spot on for Lent. Our mental space is so filled with thoughts and worries that are about anything but the present moment and our most dear eternal treasures. So as this season of Lent rings your spiritual alarm alarm clock, let's do a little housekeeping. Take stock of the joys and sorrows in your life, noting the things you should be thankful for and the things for which you might need to make amends. It's time for asking yourself if you are becoming the person you want to be, and more importantly, the person that God desires you to be. While some Christians might focus on what they might give up for Lent, some should focus on what they might make space for in Lent. What we can add to thrive and experience those treasures in heaven right here and right now And how when you experience those things in some present way, you can more clearly see your purpose. We're all different. We all thrive differently based on our unique gifts and the context in which we live. Take the Lenten season to discover your divinity and your divine call. Might be through prayer, compassion, or the spiritual practices of giving things up or taking things on. I'm trying to spend less time with the news. (laughs) It's hard. And the images and the stories of the Ukrainians fleeing for their safety, for their very lives, cut to the core of my humanity this week. And in this first week of Lent, hearing those fleeing for their lives talk about taking what they really needed with them, leaving everything else behind. What do we really need? All those material things All those day-to-day worries, the work squabbles, the social obligations, the bills to pay, they didn't matter. The only attachments that mattered was a backpack of basics, the people that they loved, and their safety. In this mortal life, in this ever-changing world, and in the dark moments, what matters to you? 
What do you need? Last week, Carter summed up his wonderful message about being lit up with joy with a nod to the pop culture movie, Love Actually. So I will also finish on a bit of a lighter note and a bit of pop culture. A few weeks ago, my 17-year-old son enthusiastically recommended that I see the movie Don't Look Up. Not long after I spoke some much, and I found some much-needed downtime, I clicked on Netflix. It came right up. It has a star-studded cast of Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, and Jonah Hill, just to name a few. And the movie is about two lesser-known astronomers at Michigan State, the DiCaprio and um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence characters, who discover a previously unknown comet that is on a trajectory towards Earth and has the potential to destroy civilization. The plot twists and turns through their attempts to make the impending doom known to the US government and media channels. They don't get much traction, so they start a frantic social media campaign called Just Look Up. The movie is about a satire on the current state of media, politics, and public opinion, and it's deep, dark, and rich, and I'm trying not to give away too much. Mm -hmm. But satire aside, the plot involves a basic public conflict between those who doubt that a comet even exists, who cry, don't look up, in their social media campaign, but those who are alarmed at a doomsday event, yelling, just look up, as their social media campaign. It has all the media frenzy and branding and polarization that you might expect. But eventually, and again, I'm not giving away a plot twist here, the reality of the threat becomes undeniable. Once they've kind of reached the point of no return, several of the major characters join together over a Thanksgiving-like meal that is full of calm, peace, and even prayer, prompting one of them to say, you know, we really did have it all. You're going to have to watch the movie to find out any more, but this was the line that got me. With Don't Look Up being the rallying cry of the comet deniers, who they do paint as the bad guys. Um, But it was also an important conclusion for the people who were out there saying this comet is there and can hurt us, the just look up people, because they were looking up all the time too, and they failed to see what was right there. No doubt the scientists did have a comet, but in all their time looking up and trying to spread this message, all they really needed and all that really mattered was right there in front of them. What we have in this room, in our lives, right here in this moment, right now, with the people that we love and the things that we have and the community that we are feeling in this moment, in this moment. That's what really matters. The people in the movie were not in control. Nobody. We are not in control. We can't worry about many of the things that we can't control. But we can love each other in this pivotal moment, and we can see those treasures of heaven, those things that love, that is beyond destruction. The past two years have been some kind of perpetual Lent. We've had to heed the present demands of health and safety to reimagine church, 
community life and our personal lives, and always at the, with the idea of what matters most at front, the love that binds us together. And that's the center of our decision making. But it's those treasures in heaven, the heaven that is not a cosmic, mythical destination out there, but the paradise that can exist right here within us that matters. The promised land is not always a place of comfort or safety or promises fulfilled. The promised land is that treasure of the promise of God within us right here and right now. The belonging and belovedness that we get from praying and paying attention and being present, that is the promised land. And the treasures of heaven that nothing can destroy is right here all around us. And that love that connects us is eternal. So don't look up. Look right here, right now. Feel what is inside you at the deepest part of your being, that which nothing can destroy. And know that is your eternity. May it be so. Thank you.